Minister to us, oh God, that you would speak to us today. God, we want a fresh word from heaven. Lord, we just thank you, God, for miracles. Whatever the situations that we're dealing with, God, we just believe for a miracle. God, in every circumstance, in every situation, oh God. Lord, we just thank you for, for who you are, for what you've done, what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So we just worship you today. God, we lift up our voice to you. Worship you, Lord. You are worthy to be praised, oh God. There's no one like you, Lord. You're my healer, you're my deliverer. Yes, you are. Oh, we come to give you praise and honor and glory to your name. You're worthy, yes, you are. I give you glory. All you brought me through And now I'm ready For whatever you want to do I'm moving forward To follow after you And now I'm ready For whatever you want to do Your presence, Lord, your presence
activating miracles right now. God, we thank you for it, Jesus. Your presence is an open door. We want you, Lord, like never before. Your presence is an open door. So come now, Lord, like never before. Holy Spirit, come. Come and feel this place. Come and feel every life today. God, we've come hungry and ready. We're ready to receive all that you have for us today. Come and heal our land. Come and heal our families. God, we thank you for miracles that are here right now. God, every impossibility becomes possible in your presence. So, God, we exalt you, Jesus. There's no one like you. There's no one like you. Oh, you're worthy to be praised. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. I know breakthrough is coming by faith. I see a miracle. My God made me a promise and it won't stop now. Come on, let's just begin to sing it like we know. Say, I know that breakthrough is coming by faith. I see a miracle because my God, he made me a promise. It won't stop now. Nothing can stop my breakthrough. I know, I know that breakthrough is coming by faith. I see a miracle. circumstance for breakthrough. Yes, we do, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God, we ask that you administer to every need, every circumstance. We thank you, God, and we believe for it today. God, for miracles in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. We believe for it. We have faith. We believe, God, that you're going to move mountains out of our way. Hallelujah. They say this mountain can't be moved. They say these chains will never break. But they don't know you like we do. Because there is power in your name. We've heard that there is no way through. We've heard the tide will never change. But 
they haven't seen what you can do because there is power in your name so much power in your name yes Oh, come on, just lift your voice this morning. Hallelujah. 
Father, we just welcome your presence here today. We praise you, Lord, and we do believe, Lord, for the impossible, for the impossible situations to turn around because you are the God of the possible and there is nothing too hard for you, Lord. We invite your Holy Spirit to continue to flow in each of our lives and through the remainder of this service that Jesus Christ would be exalted. 
In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to share a couple of things. Um, you can be seated, but we're going to stay in this presence because God's given me some prophetic words for this morning that, that I'm going to share with you. And, and here's one of them, and it's, uh, uh, um, I don't know if it's for people in this house or people that may be watching online. I, have no, I don't know that. I don't have that clarity. But I know there are at least three people that this word applies to. And it is, a, it is a challenge, and it is to be careful of who you are aligning yourself with and who you are receiving counsel from. God told me that there is at least one business person who this is attached to, and an element of pride could get in you and has been in you before to make you feel, well, I don't need to ask anybody. I can just talk to God. I can work this out on my own. But the Bible says in Proverbs that we will fail if we don't seek counsel. But there is protection. There's wisdom. All the different translations you read tell it a little bit differently. It says success will come when you seek the counsel of many. Now, at the same time, we have to be guarded about who we allow to speak into our lives. And God does not want us to go and just get counsel from any old body that we see anywhere. We're not supposed to go around each and every person and or through social media to just spill out everything that we're thinking and that's in our mind and all of our frustrations and venting this and that. There's no wisdom in that. That's not what this is talking about. But there are some situations in our life and and here's what God brought me to. He gave me this as I was preparing my sermon for our women's conference a couple of weeks ago. And I encourage you, if you did not see it, male or female, to look up that message I preached Friday night. I believe it was July the 9th was the date. And in that message, God brought some things to me that were uh, a little different. I hadn't seen it exactly like this before. But as that passage begins from 2 Samuel chapter 13, it says that Amnon, before he ever fell into sin with his sister, he sought the counsel of Jonadab, who was his cousin. He went to him for counsel. And not only did he go to him for counsel, when Jonadab gave him ill advice, he lent his ear to that. You know, I, I preached a message on that many years ago. Guard who you lend your ear to. If Eve would have never lent her ear to the serpent, we wouldn't be dealing with a lot of the challenges we're dealing with today. Guard who you lend your ear to. And because Amnon had listened to and adhered to and followed the advice of Jonadab, it affected the destiny of many. It completely ruined Tamar's life for the rest of her life. And it ultimately caused the death of Jonadab. I mean, of, um, of Amnon. It ultimately caused the death of Amnon because Absalom, his brother, became so angry that he went after him, you know, and, and he was killed. 
and this is a heavy word for starting off a Sunday morning, and I get that. And, and, but I can't apologize for it because God told me this yesterday that this was a word I was to deliver today. Again, not knowing who all it's to, but I do know there's three people, and I know at least one of them is a business person. And you're about to make some decisions where you really need to seek some good, strong, godly counsel. You see, it's our human nature to want to seek counsel. We want people to affirm us. From the littlest child in this building today, they want affirmation. If they're coloring something, whatever they're doing, they want you to tell them, good job, that's great, you're doing so good. I mean, our three-year-old grandson, he'll, if we do something, he'll turn and tell us, good job, because he's heard that so much and he's so used to us telling that to him because they need and they seek affirmation. We as human beings seek and desire affirmation in our lives about things that we do, about decisions that we make, about the steps that we take. We want affirmation. And it's human nature. And that can get us in trouble. Because sometimes what we've got to do is the unpopular thing. And whoever this word is to, you're going to have to do something that's unpopular, that may not be affirmed by everybody else. Our tendency is when we need advice, when we're going through a challenge and we need advice, is to go to somebody who we know is going to say what we want to hear and then tell us how amazing we are in the midst of all of the chaos that's going on in our lives. And that may not be the word that we need. Seek the Holy Spirit. Seek godly counsel. There are times God will speak directly to you, and you will know yourself, and you won't have to go to anybody else. But there's somebody under the sound of my voice. I know it, and I know it, and I know it. That, that God wants you to seek some counsel before you act on something that's going to affect the destiny of many. And so that's, that's the, one of the words that I had to give. The other word I have to give has to do with this. Sometimes you're just one degree off and it changes everything. You know, the flow in the, of the breath of the Holy Spirit is referred to as a ruach. That's the Hebrew word, R-U-A-C-H. It's the breath of the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. And, you know, all of you who know me very well know that I don't like the heat at all. I don't like to be hot. Well, when we woke up this morning, I told Garland, I said, ooh, it's hot in here, but he didn't hear me. So a little bit later, he walked in the bedroom and he said, ooh, it's hot in here. I said, yeah, that's what I was saying a while ago. He said, you know, it's just one degree off. I don't know if our thermostat's out of whack, but in our house, if it's one degree off, we both are just burning off, you know, burning up, you know, so hot. And we need the wind to blow. We need the breath of God to blow. We need the Holy Spirit and we need the AC to blow. <laughs> we need it all to blow. But what God spoke to me about it today was in comparison to the breath and the wind of God. Some of you, it's just one degree. It's not everything that you've got to change. It's just one degree. It's just, you're just a little bit off. 
That's why you're not feeling the breath of God in the situation. You feel like you're drying up on the vine. It's just one degree off. And for one of you, it has to do with the voices you are listening to. Who have you surrounded yourself with? What are the voices you are listening to? What is the counsel that you are receiving? It's just one degree off. Adjust it so that the Holy Spirit can flow, the wind can flow. You'll feel the breath of God. Amen? Because God has amazing things in store for each and every one of us. You know, when Garland and I first launched our television ministry in New Orleans many, many years ago, we ended every broadcast with this one saying, and we would say it together. We would say, and remember this, God has a miracle just for you. And he does. He's got a miracle just for each and every one of you, no matter your age. He's got a miracle from the oldest to the youngest. And we are believing for a miraculous intervention and turnaround for each and every one of you. Pastor Josh is coming, but I've just got one prayer request that I just want to share uh, with you all before we go further. And that's for little Kia, who's part of this congregation. And I know that you all know because I contacted all of you as soon as I was, I received the word about the situation, but uh, never knew that she had any challenges with her sugar levels, but her sugar levels went up to over 700 on Friday. And so she is not, uh, she was in ICU for a little while. Now she's out of uh, Kaya. I'm sorry, Kaya. <coughs> Did I say Kia? Okay, I'm sorry. Kaya. And, and she's out of ICU. She is still in the hospital. And they, her mother kept sending me videos of her giving herself because they're teaching her to give herself shots. I said, I can't do this. Don't send me those videos. Send me the other pictures. But she's having to learn, you know, how to take care of herself right now. But you know what? I'm believing and contending for a miracle that that juvenile diabetes they have diagnosed her with, that she's going to be healed of it. She's, got a, 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 she's young, full of life, whole future ahead of her. She's an, a, an athletic uh, little girl doing amazing and all the athletic things she, whatever she sets her mind to, successful. And I, t I told her parents, we are contending with them for a miracle and healing. And she should be discharged from the hospital tomorrow. I called her mom and I said, I'm sending her a bouquet. And um, I said, but I don't know whether to send it to the hospital or home. I said, I think I'll send it home. So when she gets home, there'll be something special there to welcome her. But um, Keep her, and not only her, but her family in your prayers. It's, very, it's difficult when your child just is running a fever, much less something of this nature. It takes a toll on you. So keep the entire family in your prayer. We know God's going to touch her and move in this situation. Pastor Josh. Good morning. You know, sitting here in worship today, and I just felt a couple of things, you know, um, there's a person in this room that feels really betrayed about some things right now. And uh, I just felt that this morning. And yeah, I just want to remind you, the scripture came to me in communion where it says, on the night he was betrayed. Come on, the Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed. So he understands betrayal very well. There's also another person in this room that you really feel overwhelmed with life right now. And you don't know how you're going to make it another day. But the word of God says that day by day, the Lord takes care of the godly. Amen. And there's a person watching this morning that just said, I don't know if I want to go to church, but I'm just going to turn it on to see what they have to say anyway. Well, I'm here to tell you that God has a word for 
a normal person on every day. And so uh, I just I just felt that well during worship, so I just want to share that. But real quick, um, you know, we went to the Ark this past week, and I'm just going to tell you, uh, in the Creation Museum, if you are a Christian, you need to make that trip. Um, it is done with complete excellence. I would put the park cleanliness and the development on par with Disney World. They did it top notch, and we're thankful that you know Christians are doing the spirit of excellence. Amen. And uh, you know, I was sitting there. We learned so much, but you know, one thing, and it came to me, is that we don't really realize, but the ark, the floods didn't come till the 600th year of Noah's life. 600 years. I wonder how many of us after six months say God's not in this. What if Noah would have gave up after one year, two years, three years, four years, five years, come on, 50 years, 100 years. But no, he had a word from God. And when Bethany was singing that song this morning, you said it. And it is done. It just flashed in my spirit to bring me back to that place with Noah where he had a word from God to build this ark. God told him exactly what to do. And I can imagine that people are making fun of him because he's building the biggest ship ever built. And, 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 and you know, talking about a flood coming and the Lord's judgment is coming. And in the 600th year, the water started to come. And the word of God says that, you know, they all died but eight people. Entire world. The ark represents the presence of God. The door represents Jesus Christ. He is the door of life. Amen. And so we need to be in his presence and we need to walk through that door. But if God told you to do something, we need to do it. Amen. It doesn't matter how long it seemed, how, how long it's been delayed. Come on, when we were right before we uh, left to go, that last Wednesday night we were going, to, uh, we're having service here, you know, that it's popping in my head, but, you know, that quote, I didn't come this far, come on, to only come this far. Come on, I'm going to tell you right now, you need to get that in your spirit. I know it's a secular quote, but it's something that's spiritual. Come on, I didn't come through all the warfare and all the prayer and all the tearing, come on, and all the sacrifice and all the giving and all the time and all the effort and the sleepless nights and the sweat of the brow, come on, and the working of things to only come to this place, come on. We came this far so that we can go farther. And so I just um, pray real quick, and then pastor's going to come. But Father, I, I just thank you for the opportunity to give and to worship you, Lord. Father, may you build inside of us long endurance, Lord God. Father, that we would not just give up on things, Lord God, but we would stay the course, Lord God. We would stay to your word, just as that song we sang today, you said it, and it is done. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you that you're an on-time God. And just as Noah, it was a 600-year, Lord, you have a divine time for the fulfillment of your promises. We give you all praise and glory in Jesus' name. You may bring your gift to the rear. Amen. And also, I just wanted to bring up a couple of announcements. This week is our breakthrough week. So Tuesday night, we will have breakthrough service in New Orleans. Wednesday night, we have breakthrough service right here. And we want you to come bring visitors. If there are those here that are wanting prayer, we're going to lay hands on people.
pray for them, believe for a turnaround in their life. That's we, that's this week. Also, uh, our tentative dates for the next Unlocked Ladies Luncheon is August the 9th, Monday, August the 9th. And so if, mark your calendar with that date. On the end of that week, which Saturday, I believe it's the 16th, is the tentative date for our New Orleans Unlocked Luncheon. So we will have... It looks like we'll have both of them that week. So we'll be looking forward to that. And I just wanted to make sure that I made those announcements real quick. We'll be looking to see you either in, in New Orleans Tuesday night or Gonzales Wednesday night of this week. Amen. That's a good day. I, uh, I'm excited about what God's doing in our life. And, and uh, Bev and I were a little bit late getting here this morning. But when a prophet calls and wants to talk to you about some things, you stop and you listen. And uh, so anyway, these are exciting times, exciting days that we're in. And I believe that we're about to see some phenomenal things begin to take place in our world. And uh, things that are going on, there's going to be a lot of questions of how did this happen and what took place. And you need to be ready to start answering some of those questions uh, because there will be questions in the coming months that... Uh, that are going to, going to happen. I'm going to take the time today, and we're going to go into some scripture. And uh, I want you to take your Bibles, whether you're at home or in here. And uh, if you're in here, it might be put up on a screen. I don't know. Uh, but 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is a, a passage that you hear me speak from quite often. But I want to, I want to um, begin to look at this from a mindset uh, mentality or a place of mindsets. And in this, it tells us exactly, Paul begins to tell us exactly how to start breaking these mindsets and how to deal with those areas that we can literally read the Word of God and believe what it says for us and about us and where we're going and what God is wanting to do. <clears throat> the Word tells us that the sons of Essachar understood the times and the seasons, but it wasn't enough just to know the times and seasons, but they knew what to do in those times and seasons. And this is what I believe that God's calling His people to do, is to understand the times and seasons, but yet to know what to do in those times and seasons. So in this, we find that people have mindsets that have taken place through their life, our life, we, we, things are set in place and, and things are said, things are done, whether through parents, whether through uh, teachings, whether through uh, uh, leaders around our life, school teachers or various different people of influence in our life that we have opened our heart uh, to trust. And so as a result of us trusting, if the word that they're giving us is not in alignment with what God's Word is, then it could cause us to get off one degree. Bev had talked just a, a few minutes ago about Amnon and how that his counsel encouraged the lust that was inside of him and it fueled it even more that he began to, to move into that place of executing what was in his heart. And uh, so, so when we look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I want to begin with verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, you and I, we walk in the flesh. We have a fleshly body. 
but yet inside of this flesh houses our soul and our spirit. It goes on and says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So the question is, who do we war after? What is our war taking place, and who is it engaged with? And you go to Ephesians 6.12, and it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and spiritual wickedness that's in high places. That's what you're wrestling against. What we're wrestling against in our world is not political party against political party, family against family, uh, mindsets against mindsets. We're actually wrestling against principalities, powers, and spiritual wickedness that's in high places. But the enemy wants to get our mind off of what we're actually fighting and put presentation in front of us that that's our problem, they're our problem, and these kind of things begin to come forth, that we begin to get off course as a believer and begin to pray against people instead of praying against the principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness that's in high places. He says, he says <clears throat> we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. When we start looking at that, we can look in the natural and we can understand the, the weapons that our military has. And it's not talking about that. It's not talking about bombs. It's not talking about aircrafts or, 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 or ships or submarines or, or rifles or anything of that nature. What it's actually saying here is that you have a spiritual weapon that if you engage that, then you are able to come against those principalities and powers that's coming against your life, which tells us in that in order to engage in that battle, in that fight that we're in, I have to have a prayer life. I have to understand the Word of God. I've got to study the Word to show myself approved. Now, I'm sure that the military doesn't just hand out rifles to everybody that comes in. Possibly many of them never have handled a rifle before. There's training that they go through of how to take it apart, how to clean it, how to use it, how to point it, how to fire it. All these things are in their training. The Word of God is our Bible. It is the Bible. It is a word of training for us. So as I read the Word of God, I go through every story that's in there, and it begins to equip me for what's happening in my world that I can recognize what's happening, and then I know how to engage against it. So if you read the stories, you read Samson, you read uh, about his stronghold and the issues that took place in his life, you, you begin to find that in that, we don't need to entertain things outside of our belief system. In other words, we need to put blinders on to the world. You've seen horses with blinders on. Uh, the reason they put blinders on is so they won't be distracted by things around them so they can stay the course. They can go in the direction that they've been pointed to go into. Now, they've got reins, and they've got all these different uh, uh, things that they use to guide them, but so they're not distracted by what's on the outside. We need to start putting blinders on ourselves that we're not distracted by every little thing and every little doctrine that is told out there. We need to get into the Word of God and begin to allow the Word to talk to us or guide us or to be the reins that tell us to keep going. And if we're getting off course, then it pulls us in the right direction. 
Bev said earlier, you can get one degree off and miss what God has for you. You can have good intentions and miss what God has for you. For the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I'm convinced of this, that if there's a stronghold in someone's life and that keeps repeating itself over and over and over and over again, they're not digging into the Word to understand how to engage against that stronghold that's there. God has given us the weapons to tear down every stronghold that is in our life or around our life. For the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. And then he tells us how to guard ourselves, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now, this is where a lot of people get in trouble is because they don't have a knowledge of God. <clears throat> the only knowledge of God that they have is what they've heard other people say, but they're not digging into the Word. They're not studying the Word. They're not grasping the Word. They're not taking the Word in to make change within their life. And then the next stage, casting down imagination in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, this is our discipline. This is what you and I need to do. We need to cast down imagination, anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, cast it down, remove it out of your life, and then <clears throat> bringing ourselves into a place that we take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, if we were to do that, then we would be able to deal with those issues or circumstances that surround our life. When my children were little, before they entered into the school systems and while they were in the school systems, I began to teach them because we, we sheltered our kids. I didn't want them exposed to a lot of things that were, were, kids were dealing with in life. And, and we find today that our kids are dealing with a whole lot more than you and I as adults ever had to deal with. You say, well, it's on the same terms, the same issues are there. But, but we never had the magnitude and in your face and shoving it down your throat attitude that's coming against our children today. And the ones that are supposed to be leading them and even teaching them about the alphabet and mathematics and all, or teaching them things that they don't need to be taught and getting outside of the threshold or the, the authority of the home and taking that position to indoctrinate our kids with things that they don't need to deal with. it. They should never have to deal with it. You and I should never have to deal with that. But our kids are being indoctrinated. We need to teach them. And so what I did with this, I took this word, and it begins to start off it with strongholds. And I wanted to deal with them before they had strongholds. So I took this verse, and I began to go with verse 5 first. <laughs> And begin to take that. If you can start casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, you won't have strongholds. Hear me. You won't have to battle with these things. But Paul is talking to people that have already been indoctrinated with the world system and they're coming out from all kinds of rituals 
all kinds of issues, and they already had strongholds developed in their life. But when you're raising children in church, they shouldn't have strongholds in their life. They shouldn't be indoctrinated with things. And if they are, they should have enough of the word in them that they cast down anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. So in our life today, we need to teach our children not just the basics of Christ, but we need to give them an understanding how they can war, how they can fight. Now look at verse 6 here. And having the readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. In other words, it's saying here, after you've done all of this and you've taken captive every thought and brought it into the obedience of Christ, cast down imagination, anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, you've cast it down. Then you will be able to have a readiness to revenge all disobedience. Whoa. What is he saying here? What he's saying here is that once you complete this, and once you do this, then your obedience is going to be fulfilled. In other words, you're not going to have the struggles because you have tore down those strongholds in your life. And Paul is saying, you can't just sit back and depend upon grace and depend upon mercy. There's something you have to do yourself to get into the place where God can use you to tear those things down because there are people that are watching your life that needs a pattern that needs an example, that needs somebody that says, this is how you can do it. This is how you can be free. This is how you can change your mindsets. So today, when I'm reading in Scripture, and last week, as I started on a a, a two-part series about the blessings of Abraham, there are many people that get offended when you start talking about God wanting to bless you (laughs) because they've seen a lot of abuse in that. And they've seen arrogance in that. God's not telling us to become arrogant or proudful. What he's telling us to do, get our soul in right order because he's wanting to prosper us and he's wanting us to be in good health. In fact, let's look at that, look at that passage. Uh, go to 3 John, and I want to look at verse 1, I mean chapter 1. And, and, and Paul is speaking to Gaius. And uh, whom he loves and he's trust, which is a governor. And he says, Beloved, I wish above all things. Anything that he could wish for, anything that he could believe for, he's telling this man, he says, I, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. And many people stop reading right there. And they shout, they hallelujah. They do their little Holy Ghost dance, and I'm not knocking anything. I'm just saying people stop right there because they're shouting, I want the blessing, and I want to be in good health. Anybody in here want to be in good health? I think all of us do. We want to live a long life, amen? And, and, but we want to be prosperous too so that we can finance our long life. Come on. I mean, you know it takes money to, to, to do things in this world. We, wanna, we want that, but it says here, even as thy soul prospers. When my soul begins to prosper, then blessings come into my life. When my soul begins to mature and begin to grow in the things of God that I'm able to take with my hands, 
not just hearing and not just seeing, but being able to handle the word with my own hands. That I don't have to call the intercessory prayer line, which is nothing wrong with calling the intercessory prayer line, nothing wrong with having other people coming into agreement. So don't go out of here saying, pastors against intercessory prayer. I'm not. I ne we need intercessory prayer. We need prayer. But to get to a place that whether I get a hold of the people that can come into agreement with me, that I know that me, myself, and I have come into agreement with God's word, and we have become one with his word, and I begin to prosper in that, then every place that I go, every step that I make is going to be ordered by the Lord. In fact, the word says that the steps of a righteous man is ordered by the Lord. Then it says in another way, another place, it says the fervent, effectual prayers of a righteous man availeth much. What it's talking about here in this scripture is that you begin to prosper in your soul. Prospering in your soul is not material things. It's not intellect as far as what our world would say that we need to go to school and, 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 and learn business or learn all these things. Oh, that's great and wonderful. But what it's talking about here is having insight in the realms of the spirit by the word of God that you begin to prosper in your soul and begin to navigate your, your way through the word that brings you to stages in life that you begin to see the blessings of God come upon your life like never before. There's a lot of people that go so far and then there's a wall that stops them. There's, there's some people that can only go so high and the ceiling keeps them down. What we're talking about here is prospering in our soul that there are no limitations and there's no weapons formed against us that's going to prosper. In other words, there will be no, no uh, uh, restrictions to what God wants to do in our life because our belief system now is turned on to his word and his word now causes our soul to prosper and we begin to pray his word over our life and it begins to break down strongholds that is preventing us from moving into what God has for us. I want to go to Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteron uh, before I go there, let's go to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, I want to begin with verse 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Anybody in here non-Jewish? Anybody in here understand what your pedigree is? I don't have a pedigree. We've got so much mixture in, in our life, we don't know exactly where we came from. <laughs> but the reality of it is when I'm looking at this, I'm finding an, a way and I'm finding an avenue to get into the blessings that God gave to Abraham and to his seed. Look here. The blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. There's another passage that says, if you belong to Christ, then you are the seed of Abraham. If I belong to Christ, if, if I've given my soul to him, if I've given my heart to him, if I've given everything that I am to him, and he's come in and saved me, redeemed me, 
then I'm also redeemed from the curse of the law, but then I'm also considered to be the seed of Abraham. So if I'm considered to be a seed of Abraham by virtue of being engrafted in the vine, then the blessings that was given to Abraham, I have a legal right to get. Come on, somebody give me an amen in here. The blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, how do you get saved? Well, somebody might say, well, I come and I I rehearse this prayer. But if you don't attach faith to that prayer, it's, it's no. It's no good. But if I now have faith that Jesus Christ died on the cross, died on the tree for me, and, and all of the curse that was there for me, he took on himself. He became a curse. He became the cursed one. Is it because it says, it says he, that, that uh, whoever hangs on the tree is cursed. But when I look at this, why was he hanging on a tree? It's for you and I that we would be redeemed. Now, when I start looking at that, I now begin to abolish condemnation in my life. I think one of the greatest enemies in a believer's life is condemnation. Condemnation of our past, condemnation of our thought life or things that have been uh, active in our life or things that we put down years ago. Condemnation comes in to prevent you from moving beyond that. The enemy wants to keep you in that. Am I making sense here? There's there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Jesus, the word says that he came into the world to redeem the world, not to condemn the world. But he's not the one that brings condemnation. He brings conviction for us to deal with our own soul. The enemy brings condemnation to take control of your soul. Hear me. Both of those feel the same in our emotions. Conviction and condemnation has the same effect emotionally to us. And as believers, we need to understand the difference between condemnation and conviction. Leave condemnation alone. If God deals with you and convicts you, then repent. Turn from your wicked ways. Call after him. Follow after him. But don't let condemnation rule in your life. There are many people that are living under condemnation that turned loose of things years ago, but they're still condemning themselves because of rejection, because of issues, Because of their own mistakes, they're condemning themselves. But have we put it under the blood? We've asked God to forgive us. Well, if we have, he has. Why is it that we keep dragging it around and we keep holding on to it? It's because the enemy has convinced us that we are not worthy to walk in the blessings that God has for us. So he attaches that dead thing to us. But when you attach a dead thing to you, you begin to smell like that dead thing also. It's interesting that in old times, what they would do with people, they would, they would attach a dead body to them. 
and that body would begin to decay on their body. Man, it's interesting how the, the maggots would come in, the flies would begin to light, and not only on the dead corpse, but it would begin to invade on the live person and begin to torment them by carrying a dead thing. People are being tormented by what they're condemning themselves over. And that stink, that stench, and that death is trying to get into your live living. It makes sense here. Verse 13. Christ has not redeemed us from the curse. Uh, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now let's jump back up from there to verse 9 and begin to see what this says here. So then they which be of faith, are blessed with faithful Abraham. So if you have faith, if you believe that God sent his son to die on the cross for you, then you, can, you are blessed with faithful Abraham. Amen? For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that, that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. I don't know about y'all, but this is enlightening. If you, if, you, if you let this light bulb come on, then what you're going to do is you're going to walk out of here today leaving those old things behind you and pressing towards those things that are before you. Put your blinders on. We're about to go somewhere. Now, drop down to verse 29. Verse 29, verse 28, uh, verse 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. If the church could just get a hold of this one verse. It's saying that we are all one blood. Come on. That's what it's saying here. It says in verse 29, And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now look at this. If I go back up to verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. If we put our swords down and begin to embrace one another as being one in Christ, what we find is we have such a Red Sea moment that is not just in the political arena, not just in this world, not just in, in areas that I'm finding it is all over the place, it's in the church also. And we've got fingers that are pointing all over the place in the church because we have not matured enough to understand the word of what God says to us that we are all one blood. No, no amens on that one either. 
And if ye be Christ, okay, if ye be Christ, if ye be in Christ, if you belong to Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What does an heir receive? The inheritance. So if there was an inheritance that was given to Abraham, or, or God blessed Abraham, then Abraham now has, the, has, the, uh, has given the, the, the blessings down to the next generations. He said, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. So look at this. If we have such tension and issues against people that are believers, let's start right there. People that are believers, but I ain't sitting next to them. You know, I'm not going there, you know, just, and we have this attitude because we think that, I don't know what we think, but we're thinking the wrong thing. Hear, hear what I'm saying. Then we can nullify the blessing of God that was given to Abraham and prevent it from coming into our life. Come on. So when I start reading in just a moment scriptures in Deuteronomy chapter 28, and we start seeing that there are 14 verses that are there that talks about the blessings of God for God's people. Yes, it was given to Abraham, but based upon this scripture here in Galatians chapter 3, I'm looking at it, and if I come into alignment with this word, then those blessings that he gave to Abraham is for me also. Am I making sense? So we can nullify the blessings by not coming into alignment with the word. We can wrestle with flesh and blood when the word says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and spiritual wickedness. We can get our eyes out of heavenly places and begin to focus on earthly issues and never get a breakthrough in our life, but yet come to church every Sunday, pay our tithes, bring our offerings, and we wonder, why am I not being blessed? It might be that we haven't come in, into alignment with the Word of God in Galatians chapter 13, nor 2 Corinthians chapter 10, nor are we prospering and being in health because our soul is not prospering because I made a decision, I'm holding on to the offenses of what people have done to me. Now, last week I started off in Proverbs chapter 10, the blessing of the Lord. Verse 22, the blessing of the Lord. It maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Let me tell you, there's a lot of wealthy people that have a lot of sorrow in their life. And they're trying to manage what they have to keep what they've got. And there's a lot of sorrow that's attached to it. But it says here, when God blesses you, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow. That word in Hebrew, rich, it means to accumulate, to grow rich, or become wealthy. I don't care how you shake that out. This is what it's talking about. And somebody, I know somebody is getting offended because they're saying, well, you're just going with this kind of vein here. I'm going with what the Word of God says. I'm looking at what his word says, and when I come into alignment with his word, then doors begin to open that have been shut. The blessing of the Lord, 
is upon the head of the righteous. It enriches him, and the grief, the grief of heart shall not be added to it. And I, that's a strong definition of that. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Just imagine for a moment that being duplicated in your life. Come on. The image. We're the image of God. But are we producing what the likeness or the image of God is, was or produced. God said, let there be light. And then there was light. And he began to speak in those days, the times, the frames, and set everything in order. He spoke it into existence. And the word tells us that in the power of the tongue, you have the ability to speak life or to speak death. You have the ability to call into your life what you need. Come on now. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image, and in the likeness of God created he him male. <coughs> male and female created he them. And verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth on the earth. And what it's saying here is that you and I as a believer have the ability in our life that if things get out of order, we put it back in order. At the turn of the century, the church was very relevant to the world. Everything was gauged upon spiritual condition. Bev and I, we went this week to a place called the Shakers community. In that time where that people have the Holy Spirit come upon them and all they did was shake under the power of God. And we walked through that community, drove through that and, 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 and began to see some things that was so powerful. The turn of the century... The church says we are so much better than the world and it put its head in the sand and allowed the world to continue in its problems and the world kept growing and the church stopped. And as a result of it, the church has become irrelevant to the world today. It's become a mockery to the world today. And when it pulled its head out of the sand... The Bible was already taken out of church, I mean out of school. Prayer was taken out of, out of school. Prayer was taken out of the home, and nobody was reading the Word of God. They were more interested in reading, writing, and arithmetic, but they weren't reading the right thing. They were reading everything that was contradictory to the Word of God. It's the Word of God that becomes our plumb bob, if you will, in our life that keeps us going in the right direction. But the, but the world, the church is irrelevant to until... There's a move of God. 
Look at, look at our world, just here in the United States. We've got such a mockery against our nation that they would rather follow after a cause than unite as a nation. So instead, the prayer has been taken out of school. Bible has been taken out of school. We've, we have, have changed open doors to our school to have metal detectors. So we take the Bible out, and now we have guns coming in. Now, I don't have a problem with guns the way people have problems with guns, because guns is an inanimate object, and it's not going to jump up and do something. It's in the mind, it's the mindsets of people that do things they should not be doing. The reality of it is we have, we have a mindset that needs to be changed in our world. And the only way that that mindset is going to change is to have a move of God like we've never had before. And I believe that we're at a place of reset. We're at a place right now that the power of God is about to move we're about to see some things in the natural that's going to astound people, and people are going to say, how did this happen? I thought everything was in this place, and everything was in order, and now they're finding deception. They're finding lawlessness. They're going to find all these things, and it's surfacing now. It's coming forth now, and we're going to see the hand of God begin to move that no man can get credit for what he's doing. And the reason he doesn't want any man to get credit for it, because man has a tendency of stealing his glory. Look at me, look at what I did, and look at what I've said. And you had nothing to do with any of it. God's doing it all. And we're at that place that God is about to prove something and do some things that is going to be astounding and it's going to be shaking, not only in the political arenas, but it's going to be shaking in the church also. And I believe God's calling his church back to a place of holiness. Now, I'm gonna, when I say holiness, I'm not talking about how you wear your hair or how long you wear your skirt. What I'm talking about is the condition of the heart. Because it's the condition of the heart that causes the change within man. You can do all you want to do on the outside, and if the soul is not prospering, by the word of God, you're not going to change and you're still going to manifest the things of the world no matter how you comb your hair. The blessing empowers us to prosper. The blessing was the first record recorded word heard by a human ear that set the course and the precedent for God's will for all mankind. Think about that for a moment. The first words that man heard was, let's make them in our image, in our likeness. And then God began to say to man, have dominion, multiply, subdue, become fruitful. That's what he's told us to do. What are we, what are we fruitful in? What kind of fruit are we bearing? What, what kind, of, what kind of, of things are we pursuing and subduing? What things are we managing in our life that we have dominion? You know why we're not having miracles the way we need to have? Because we're not having dominion over our own life. We're allowing our life, we're allowing our mind to dictate to our desires. So it means that our soul is not in right alignment with God. 
Because when we're embracing things of the world and we're coming to church with all those things that we embrace, all we're doing is practicing religion, not relationship. So we come with our hallelujah, we come with our shout, but we have the manifestations of the world coming through our life. And we're bound with lust, we're bound with greed, we're bound with envy, we're bound with unforgiveness. In fact, the word even says that God's not even going to hear your prayers until you have forgiven. That's a strong statement right there. That, that deals with about 75 to 80% of the church right there because of all the problems that we have. I'm going to tell you, I think there's a fine line between forgiveness and trust also. Until somebody's life changes after they have brought such persecution. Look, Ananias didn't want to deal with Saul because of his reputation of killing Christians. Until, until Ananias understood that he was now blind and couldn't kill him. Come on. Then Ananias embraced him, began to teach him, and then the scales fell off of Paul's eye, or Saul's eyes, and he became Paul. Until the scale falls off of some people, I'm keeping them at a distance. Come on, I'm just being factual. You lied about me, you've done all this kind of stuff. I don't need a relationship with liars. I don't need a relationship with thieves either. I need to be in my lane and put my blinders on. Is that making sense? Amen? It says the blessing, I'll repeat what I said earlier, the blessing was the first recorded word heard by a human ear that set the course and, and the precedent for God's will for all mankind. God told man who he was, created in God's likeness and his image. You say that to yourself, I'm created in God's likeness and in his image. Come on. Made an exact duplicate of kind. Lords of the earth as ruler and royalty. What are you ruling over? And how are you ruling it? Because God has set a place for you to be fruitful, to multiply, replenish the earth, and to form levels or conditions to never run out, become empty, or walk in lack. To subdue the earth. Making sense here? And it's almost as though that God's kind of bringing us into the garden again. I believe that's where he wants us to be. He wants us to walk in his promises. So in Genesis, Genesis 28, uh, verse 1, verse 28 says, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over it, uh, the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and every living thing that moveth on the earth. The blessing first recorded in this thing, man's assignment was to be very productive and abound in everything to increase and enlarge, to refill and restore, to put it back if it got out of line. Is our world out of line right now? Come on. It's up to the church to put it back into order. Terrain and take command, to reign and take command. That's some strong words here. I, I want to go, go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, if you will, go with me, go with me there, and I'm going to finish in just a moment here. This is one of these words I got to continue next week, because the more, the more that I'm preaching on this thing, the more that I'm seeing 
And the more that I'm seeing, the more messages are coming out. So here's going to be just a, a, quick, a quick overview here. Deuteronomy chapter 28. I want to look and see what he says here. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> I want to go, let's just begin with verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Now, a lot of people have a problem with that right there. To hearken unto the voice of God. To observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, blessed shalt thou be in the city. If thou shalt hearken to the Lord thy God, Blessed shall thou be in the city, blessed shall thou be in the field, blessed shall, uh, shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy ground and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thine kind and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall thou be thy basket and thy store. Man, when I start looking at this, I remember, and right now it's picking time in, in, the, in the fields, you know, harvest time in the field. People are picking peas and butter beans and corn. And I, I go back in my mind and think about my dad. We'd go out in the country and, man, we'd start picking peas and butter beans. And I'd try to keep up with my dad as he's moving along. And, man, I was so proud of myself having a, a hamper of peas or butter beans. And, look, Dad, I got them. And he'd take that basket and he'd start shaking it, moving it. And all of a sudden, I saw those peas start going down in there. And I thought, where are they going? What he was doing, he was shaking it down, pressing it together so that I can bring it, bring it to him running over, that there would be no more room. Isn't that what the word says? Given it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall he cause men to give unto your bosom. So there are rules and principles in the word of God that if we just obey his word, if there is a need in your life, then you got to find some seed for your life. For many people, that's where it went. <clears throat> the Lord shall cause thine enemies to rise up against thee. Verse 7. Uh, verse 6 says, And blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. I think that's a double blessing right there. So you're going in to make a sale. You're going in to sign a contract. And on your way out, you meet somebody else coming in, and then all of a sudden, God gives you favor with the person coming in, and you're blessed going in, and you're blessed coming out. You went to get one contract, but now you got two contracts. The Lord shall cause thine enemies to rise up against thee, to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way, and shall flee before thee seven ways. And when you look at that, number seven, it's God's perfection. God's, that's God's number seven, okay? Number six is man, man's number. And, but when God's number comes in and rises up, he causes them to flee out seven different directions. He's going to scatter your enemies before your eyes. Somebody say hallelujah to that. And the Lord shall command the blessing upon thee. Look here. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses. This is where I'm going to finish at today. There is a commanded blessing. When you come into order and you come into alignment with God's word, there is a commanded blessing. How many of you are ready for a commanded blessing? 
And where is that blessing going to come upon? And the Lord shall command the, uh, command the blessing upon thy storehouses. And in all that thou settest thine hand to do, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The storehouses. He's going to bless you in your bank account. He's going to bless you in your basket. He's going to bless you that in your retirement, you're going to have more than enough. He's going to bless you to the point that not only do you see it, but the word says in the New Testament that he, he's going to bless you that your neighbors will begin to see your profiting. The Lord shall establish thee in a holy, uh, uh, thee a holy people unto himself as he has sworn unto thee. If thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. Now I'm going I'm to stop right there because if I go any further, it's going to give me another hour to begin to talk just on one verse. Today, the challenge is this. We, wanna, we want to equip ourselves with the word of God that faith can arise. You say, well, I have faith. But do you know how to direct your faith? Do you know how to pray in your faith? And when you understand the promises that God has already given to us by virtue of us receiving Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we are now connected to Abraham's blessing and heirs to him. But if we're not walking in that, we now need to start directing our prayers and our faith and our studying in the word so that we can come into alignment with what he says and begin to receive what he has already given to us. Makes sense. There are people that are walking in deficiencies because they don't know what their promises are. We're going to go for the blessings of God. I'm, I'm calling for that commanded blessing to come into my life. Amen? Okay. You can't stop a commanded blessing. When God begins to command a blessing on your storehouse and everything that you put your hands to do, you... You might have a little hobby in, the, in your garage and you've got a little bandsaw and you're making birdhouses. And then all of a sudden somebody sees your birdhouse and then it hits the internet and everybody in the world is wanting to buy your birdhouse. And all of a sudden you've got a mass production of birdhouses that's bringing blessings into your storehouse because your hand what it was doing just in a pleasurable moment because you're trying to relieve stress has now caused a blessing to come upon you because one person saw your birdhouse. Come on now. You say, Pastor, your imagination's running wild today. Yep, it is. God's given us an imagination, and he's given us the ability to dream, and he's given us a vision, ability to have vision in our life. So we need to pull the stake uh, 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 pegs up and begin to expand our tent. Why are we going to expand our tent? Because God's about to fill our tent. God's about to fill your house where there's not going to be lack, that you're going to be overflowing with the blessings of God. Amen? Somebody say amen to that. I appreciate those that are watching today. I want to pray with you before we go off air, and then I'm going to pray with those that are here uh, today. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your blessings, and I thank you for your commanded blessing that you're going to bless our storehouses 
and you're going to bless everything that we do with our hands. And Father, I ask you, Lord, that you'd cause us to, to enter into your word in a way that we have never devoured your word before. But Lord, that we connect ourselves with the promises and the truths of your word, that we can move into that dimension of your spirit, that on any good occasion, we have the wherewithal to give and it not put us in lack. But everything that we do, we do it according to your word. Lord, move upon us today. Minister to each and every one of us. And Father, touch those that are watching today. Bless them. And we give you praise and we give you glory for it. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys as you're going off air. I want to talk to us in this house today. You know, there's a lot of people that are offended with this kind of a word because they're saying you're attaching it to the word movement. If you don't know what's going on in our world today, and God is pulling, pulling the word group and the prophetic group together. If you notice what's happening on, on the Victory Channel, if you're not watching the Victory Channel, you'll find that Kenneth Copeland, and, and, and I know this 